This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Hello and welcome to Ask the Squiz, our special edition podcast to help squizzers with their burning questions about the referendum on the Indigenous voice to Parliament. I'm Larissa Moore. And I'm Claire Kimball. Claire, long-time squizzers will know the deal here. During last year's federal election, we put the call out for questions. We unpacked them in a special podcast episode each week, and it was a great way to get into the issues, the politics, the parties of that vote. So there's a referendum on the cards. We're going to do it again. Yeah, we really are. It's going to be great. (laughs) Ask the squiz on this referendum because there's so many issues about the voice proposal itself and also we don't get a referendum very often. So we've got to get into exactly how that works as well. Bit of the nuts and bolts. Yeah, the last referendum was in 1999. And that, of course, was on the question of whether Australia should become a republic. I'm not going to ask you how old you were in 1999. It'll just make me depressed. Yeah, here's a quick tip. I didn't vote in it. (laughs) I did. (laughs) But we're not going to get into that referendum today, though. Could be interesting for a future Squiz Shortcuts episode Mm. to maybe take a look at some of the referendums of the past. But as for what we're going to do today, weekly episodes leading up to October 14, when of course we are all heading off to vote, you can email us your questions. We'll put links in your episode notes so you know all about how you can get them to us. But basically each week we're going to pick three. Questions. Three questions. There's so many questions we could get into. Mm. So we're going to take the most representative and answer those. Let's dive in. Let's go. All right. Our first question this week brings together two questions because they're really getting at the same thing. Rebecca wants to know about how the voice will help to close the gap. And Rosalind has asked what will be done to improve Aboriginal outcomes in areas like health and education if there is a no vote? Yeah, they're great questions. And it really does go to the heart about what both sides are saying about this voice referendum. It's what a lot of campaigners are zeroing in on. So the yes case is really focused on linking the voice to concrete outcomes. You'll hear concrete outcomes Mm. quite a bit. Um, So to Rebecca's point about closing the gap, we know that Indigenous life expectancy is eight years shorter than non-Indigenous Australians. Uh, We know that there are worse rates of disease. There are fewer Indigenous people getting good education outcomes, getting good employment outcomes, and so many more. Uh, Pat Turner is a prominent Indigenous leader. She says that the voice is the answer. Uh, She says that so many government programs has failed. It's now time to go to the communities who are actually doing these things. Why is that? What is it about the way that The Voice would operate that makes it different from the way that government departments and advisory bodies maybe haven't worked so well? Yeah, so Pat Turner is the CEO of the National Aboriginal Community Controlled Health Organisation. Mm-hmm. You don't need to remember that. <laughs> its shorthand is called Nacho. Okay. Uh, it's the body that's often held up as a really great example of Indigenous people improving their own outcomes. Um, they run about 550 local health care centres. 
um, they are on the ground across the country doing that work. And Pat Turner reckons the voice can help to achieve that sort of influence across every aspect of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people's lives. Uh, And she gives the example of what happened during COVID. Um, Communities that Nacho was involved in designed their own programs to keep their communities safe. It's a really great example of success. And she reckons that thousands more Indigenous lives would have been lost during that pandemic if the government hadn't listened to what they wanted to do. When it comes to the question of what is going to happen to improve Indigenous lives if there is a no vote, it's interesting to note that the no campaign is also using the success of existing agencies like Nacho to say, we don't need a voice. Yeah, it's the other side of the coin, isn't it? (laughs) So the No campaign is saying that there's already great examples of communities taking control, fixing their own problems uh, without what it says is a costly bureaucratic body. It's not like, though, that the No campaign has a specific platform on how it would close the gap if the voice doesn't get up. No, it doesn't. They're not proposing any solutions around that. They're just making the point that they don't think that a centralised body, a a voice body, uh, with its members drawn from all over Australia, uh, will be able to agree on or change anything. The coalition's Jacinta Napajimpa-Price has been making that point pretty clearly. She really draws on the examples of where remote communities have come up with their own solutions to problems as the way to go. Right, on to the next question now. Claire Kath has asked about the No campaign's claim that there are risks in changing the constitution. She wants to know why that would be an issue. Yeah, so we're taking Kath to mean changing the constitution in general, not changing the constitution with this voice uh, proposal. So, Kath, we hope we've interpreted (laughs) that right. Um, And, look, I guess we should preface this with the observation that Neither of us are constitutional scholars. Claire, is now the time to tell you that secretly I am? (laughs) Wow. Yeah, surprise. Uh, No, I am not a constitutional scholar, so good disclaimer there. No, but there's lots of text and lots of articles and lots of journals about what the experts think about this sort of stuff. And, look, Australia really has been very conservative with Mm. its approach when it comes to changing the constitution. There has not been a successful referendum since 1977, and that had to do with Senate casual vacancies. So uh, not quite the burning political issue like The Voice or whether we should become a republic. (laughs) That was about filling the spots of senators who leave mid-term. If I do my maths correctly then, Claire, 46 years since a referendum has succeeded. Yeah, I'll I'll take your word for that. I'm not Mm -hmm. going to crunch the numbers myself. (laughs) So um, the other stat to know is that there have been 44 referendums in our history. Just eight have succeeded. Mm. So the founders made it very hard to change the constitution on purpose. They wanted something that couldn't be, and this is the quote, set aside, altered and shattered to pieces uh, by every blast of public opinion. Well, that has certainly been the case. If you do want to know about the other option, though, the alternative would have been to allow Parliament to amend the Constitution, and that is something that does happen in plenty of other countries. Yeah, it does. There are many models about how you can actually amend a nation's founding document. And to Kath's question about the argument that changing the Constitution is risky, uh, it's what constitutional conservatives say. They're the people who like things to stay the way they mm-hmm. are. Um They say that the document is a good one and you don't want to muck around with it too much, um, that there could be unintended consequences. And if you don't know what would happen 
with the change, then don't change it. Yeah, and look, Australia has an incredibly stable system of government with clear rules and that's something we have to say we're happy to have. Oh, yeah, absolutely. When you look at other nations around the world, we really do have stability and not all referendums, of course, when you look at the proposals, are equal either. So people will make up their mind about the merits of proposals when they are put to them. But there have been amendments get up in the past and the world hasn't caved in. And that is why ultimately it is up to us to decide. Of course, it's compulsory to vote in the referendum, so it will be the Australian people that decide and not the experts, not those constitutional experts and not the politicians. Finally, today it's about the nuts and bolts of voting and I'm so glad this question came in because it is it has been <laughs> one of mine too. Literal ticks and crosses, you might have heard this one coming up a bit. We got a few messages about the practicalities on voting in a referendum. Janice has a two-parter. She wants to know why the referendum response specifically requires a yes or no to be written out rather than using ticks and crosses. And then, of course, why will ticks be counted as a yes but crosses won't be counted towards a no vote? Yeah, this has been in the media quite a bit Mm. and it's because Coalition leader Peter Dutton said that a cross should be accepted as a no vote. Uh, If a tick is going to be accepted as a yes vote, the Electoral Commission has been doing a lot of explaining about that as a consequence. Yeah, and the first thing we should say is that the AEC, the Electoral Commission, is imploring people to clearly write yes or no. That is absolutely going to be the clear instruction on the ballot paper to actually write yes or no. There's going to be signs on polling day. Mm. When you walk in to cast your vote, write yes or no. That's what the officials will be telling you. (laughs) Exactly. But there is an important but Mm -hmm. in all of this. Um, Under laws that have been around for about 40 years in Australia, the Electoral Commission has to accept a ballot paper where the voter's intention is clear. I have scrutinied at multiple elections and that is a really clear discussion on the day. Has the voter actually had a go? And you have to give them the benefit of the doubt if you can make it out. So it's called a savings provision. Uh, People have a right to vote. It should be counted if they've had a go. And over about six referendums, it has been clearly established that a tick does show that someone is in favour of a proposition. So why doesn't the AEC accept a cross or a small X then for no? And look, this isn't just the opinion of this year, right? This is legal precedent, right? It's not Mm. just something that the Electoral Commission is making up right now. There are previous examples that have been through the courts. So uh, a cross doesn't necessarily mean that we're saying no to something because in our everyday lives, uh, we use it to check forms. We Mm. put a small cross in boxes. If we're signing up to something or giving consent, we're saying yes to something with a cross. So for that reason, the legal and political precedent is that a cross on a referendum ballot paper is not clearly showing the intent to say no. Got it. And that is why the AEC really want you to write yes yes or no. Or no. I have a feeling this one's going to come up a bit in the coming weeks. And look, a quick shout out here to the Australian Electoral Commission. They do an awesome job on their social media of answering a bunch of questions that people have and explaining Mm. all these things. It's not just for election nerds, politic nerds, a bit like us. This is something that we all need to do. So uh, shout out to them and give them a follow. Yeah, good one. 
cracking start to ask the squiz there, I reckon, Claire. Looking forward to more questions coming in. Yeah, it's good for us too because we really like answering them. It makes (laughs) us think and it gets us across the issues. So it's really good to hear from squizzes about how we can be helpful. So uh, if you have questions, shoot them through hello at thesquiz.com.au or fill out the form and that link, as you said, Larissa, is in the episode notes. Yeah, just a super simple Google form. So head to the episode notes for that or, of course, shoot us an email. As you said, Claire, this is helpful for us to answer these questions, but we always, with everything we do at The Squiz, want to be helpful in helping people feel informed. So we have a voice referendum resource centre on our website. We're putting all of the things we're doing around shortcuts, explainers, quick summaries of the yes and no cases in one spot on the website. That's at thesquiz.com.au forward slash voice referendum. Go there if you want to find some of this information, opinion-free, agenda-free. As always, even better, send your friends and your people there if they want to get across the info. We're a very safe space for that stuff. We won't do people's head in with all sorts of agendas. So just good information if that's helpful to people who want to know a bit more too. Pop that link in your episode notes as well. That's all for us. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with Ask the Squiz next week.